It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hi, I'm Nyla Boodoo. Welcome to Axios Recap, where we dive into one big story. Today's Tuesday, July 27th. Indoor masks are up, Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka are down, and we're focusing on protests around the globe. Even if you're an avid consumer of U.S. news, you might not be aware of some of the big international stories that are playing out in places like Myanmar, Belarus, and Venezuela. Three things to know. First, in Myanmar, protests have been steady for months since the military seized power after the February election. Dozens of children have been killed, and at least a thousand more have been detained. Second, in Belarus, protests continue against Alexander Lukashenko, who some call the last European dictator. Protests are illegal in Belarus, and just this month, its biggest newspaper was raided and the editor hauled off for critical coverage. Third, and in Venezuela, President Nicolas Maduro has held on to power and is trying to get the U.S. to lift sanctions after he refused to honor election results that would have unseated him. So where are we on these global stories that aren't on many Americans' radar? Dave Lawler, Axios's world editor, will update us in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. We're joined now by Axios' world editor, Dave Lawler. Dave, welcome back. Thanks, Nyla. Let's start with Myanmar. The military took over in a coup in February. What's the latest with the new government and the continuing clashes it's had with protesters? Yeah, so you have a bunch of things happening at once. You have this ongoing civil disobedience movement uh, among supporters of the deposed government. You also have violence around the country between the military and these rebel militias that have formed to take on the ruling junta. And you have also um, the worst yet wave of the pandemic hitting the country. So a lot of difficult things happening at the same time in Myanmar. I mentioned the kids at the beginning More than a thousand children have been detained, the UN says arbitrarily. Why hasn't this conflict bubbled up to front page news here in the US? So I've been thinking about this as well, and I think it's just weeks and months of bad news are often very difficult to keep your eyes focused on. And it's clear that this uh, government does not have the support of the people. The crackdowns have been really brutal, and there is still this will to resist, but we're not seeing these images that we saw right when the coup happened of people flooding the streets and standing up in this sense of optimism that things could change. Unfortunately, at the moment, We're settling into this kind of long, grueling period of opposition to the military with no clear end in sight. The U.S. is talking a big game here, taking a stand for democracy. Are we actually doing anything about it? Or is anyone in the international community? Yeah, so we've had a few waves of sanctions against individuals and companies linked to the military. There have been efforts to isolate the regime, which which doesn't have many friends around the world at this point. 
but it is really an example of the limits of U.S. power in this situation. Now, you mentioned talking a big game. When this first happened, it was a big priority of President Biden's. It was the first, or at least one of the first, big international crises of his administration, and, and he basically said, we're not going to accept this. Uh, and yet, we've gotten to a point where the steps the U.S. have taken so far don't really seem to have changed the equation at all. Is there any other pressure we might see from other countries in Asia or Europe on this? Yeah, so, I mean, we're seeing some of the opposite. The The Russian government has actually moved a little bit closer to the military and talked about selling them weapons and things. And so uh, that's something that often happens. A pariah around the world can often get closer to Moscow. China has played this a little bit more carefully. They're a very important country for Myanmar in terms of trade, and they've been careful not to be too supportive diplomatically, but also not to cut off the government entirely. And so uh, there are some countries in the region who might be able to make a bigger difference than the U.S. But in terms of what we can expect from the U.S., I mean, I think it's sanctions basically is the one tool we have and it doesn't seem to be working. The Biden administration says it's also weighing new sanctions on Belarus for how that government is handling protests there. Can you catch us up quick on that? Sure. So last year we had a rigged election in Belarus and we had a massive uprising. Weeks after weeks, we saw all these people flooding into the streets, demanding that the president, Lukashenko, step down. He has not stepped down. Now we have the opposition leader who's in exile now, Svetlana Tikhanovskaya. She was in D.C. last week. I actually spoke with her while she was in town. More importantly, she spoke with the secretary of state and the national security advisor, and she's lobbying for these sectoral sanctions against industries dominated by the government, you know, things like lumber and steel, that she says would be able to, to put more pressure than we've seen thus far against the government. But yeah, it's, it's kind of similar to the last situation where uh, the protests have more or less died out, the government continues to crack down, and the tool that the U.S. has at its disposal is sanctions. And Russia is also playing a role here. Russia has a huge role in Belarus. It's really the only close friend that Lukashenko has at this point. They have continued to show him support, at least publicly. He's made several visits across the border to Moscow to hang out with Vladimir Putin. But there's also this question of Belarus's sovereignty. Now, there's been talk in Russia of trying to form a commonwealth of the two countries, really pull Belarus even further into the Russian orbit. So that's another thing that the opposition and really Belarusians of all stripes would be concerned about this idea of giving up some of their sovereignty to Russia. Dave, let's move a little closer to home here in the Americas in Venezuela. President Nicolas Maduro wants to meet with the opposition party in Venezuela. What does that actually mean? So he says he wants to talk to the opposition about basically how to get sanctions lifted on the regime. The opposition wants to talk about how to hold elections. They've tried this before. They've tried these internationally mediated talks. They haven't led anywhere. The opposition has always said that Maduro has just stalled for time and isn't willing to hold uh, free and fair elections. Uh, this is another attempt in that direction. But you also have this strange dynamic where at the same time as these talks were being floated, you had the arrest of a leading opposition figure and this scene of, uh, I guess, intimidation against Juan Guaido, who the U.S. still recognizes as the legitimate interim president of Venezuela. And so, yeah, this crisis is roiling on. It's unclear whether we're going to see talks in the next few weeks. But if we do, they'll be in Mexico next month, overseen by Norway. Dave, there's so many problems in Venezuela. If you want to talk about food shortages, gas shortages, the pandemic, gang violence, what to your mind are the biggest challenges facing the country right now? 
Yeah, so the the scale of the economic collapse in Venezuela is still pretty hard to wrap your mind around. This was one of the wealthier countries in the Americas not all that long ago. And the economy, particularly in the last few years, has just fallen off of a cliff. And so people are really struggling to survive in Venezuela. You also have, uh, you know, it's one of the most violent countries in the world. And so this this epidemic of gang violence in the country seems to be getting worse and then you have the political crisis layered on top of that, not to mention the coronavirus, which which has hit the country uh, just as it's hit the rest of us. And so you kind of have these layers of crises, I guess, and it's unclear. Again, unfortunately, like so many of the things we're talking about, about how that changes, how you turn a corner in Venezuela, things seem to be heading in the wrong direction still, even you know years into this crisis. And have we heard the Biden administration say anything about Venezuela? Not as much as the Trump administration. It was a main issue for them. They tried very difficult to get rid of Maduro, the Trump administration. The Biden team has not taken this on as a major issue early on. I think we can expect a clearer roadmap of their policy on Venezuela. It's one of several crises they're dealing with uh, at some point. But, you know, I wouldn't say right now, if you ask me what is Biden's strategy in Venezuela, it's not at all clear what that is. Well, these are all really important stories if they're difficult to talk about. Thanks for joining us, Dave. Sure. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. Here's what I'm watching, or should I say not watching today. That's the Tokyo Olympics. The big story is that superstar gymnast Simone Biles withdrew from the gymnastics team final to focus on her mental health. And it's not clear if she's going to continue to compete at individual events. And tennis sensation Naomi Osaka lost in her bid for the gold. This year's Olympics have been challenging in a variety of ways, not just because of the pandemic, but because of turmoil surrounding other superstars, like the U.S. track star Shakari Richardson, who's also not competing because of a marijuana test. The Olympics are all about the athletes. Whether it's watching the Dream Team or swimmer Michael Phelps, there are always people you cheer for to watch them in their continued pursuit of excellence. I cheer for Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka. Their smaller presence this year will be felt dearly as the Olympics try to hold our attention in a year where they need our attention most. And we're done. Big thanks to our producers, Alexandra Boti, Justin Kaufman, Sabina Singani, and Alex Sugiara, our sound engineer. Have a happy creme brulee day. I'm Nyla Boudou. Eat some creme brulee. Thanks for listening and stay safe.